Well, good morning again, everybody. <clears throat> again, once again, so glad that you're here with us today. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 4. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, we have almost completed uh, our study in this little wonderful little letter of the Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi. <clears throat> I, was, uh, I received an a, uh, article uh, sent to me from a, a fellow pastor friend, uh, in fact, an old seminary roommate uh, this past week um, or early in the week, uh, that was uh, by a church pundit. And uh, the title of the, of the article was 10 Reasons Why Your Church Members are more ornery during the pandemic. <laughs> and when I first saw that title, I thought, well, you know, I, 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 you guys have, have really been quite pleasant during this time, which I appreciate very much. Uh, and then I began to think a little bit more about what I am like <laughs> during this pandemic. And I, and I realized that, um, you know, I, I've been in a little more of an ornery mood here lately. And so I, I get the gist of what he's talking about here. Um, I'm not going to list all the, all ten of those reasons, but let me let me share a few of them with you. You can probably relate to this. Uh, he says, number one, they're ornery because they're weary. They're just weary. I mean, they, they lament that so many of their regular <clears throat> patterns and routines have been disrupted during this time. Uh, again, just tired of it, but but have no control over it, do we? Um, he said another reason he gave is he says they're confused. They're confused. You know, the information we've been receiving in the last couple of weeks has been a little more consistent, but we've, we've still gotten conflicting information throughout all this time about COVID. Uh, he said another reason is because they are fearful, fearful. You know, it, it's, one, you know, it's one thing to tell a Christian not to be fearful, but yet at the same time, how do you do that when you're just constantly bombarded by bad news all the time? Another reason he gave is that in, in, in spite of online and providing in-person reopening opportunities and so on and so forth, the church still just doesn't feel quite the same. You know, we can't re-engage with our friends at church and like we did in pre-pandemic fashion, hugs, etc. Uh, and then another reason he gave is that they are weary of all the cultural fights and so much negativity going on in our country right now. You know, there's just kind of this cloud of yeah, that's hanging over our nation right now, it seems like. Um, so I, I suspect some of those probably sound familiar to you. Well, let me ask you, are you feeling ornery <laughs> this morning? Um, I think now that we're more than just a few months into this pandemic, that it's time to get a second wind. It's time to get a second wind. You know what a second wind is. If you've done any kind of long distance running over the years or you know, just jogging for a hobby, that sort of thing, you had that experience where you started out you know, to do your two-mile, three-mile, five-mile jog, however many you would do, and, uh, and you get about halfway through, and all of a sudden, you're, you know, whatever reason, that, that morning you're, you're feeling, start feeling really lousy. You're thinking, I'm not going to make my full two miles today. And then, and then all of a sudden, you know, whether it's a, you're, 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 the mix of oxygen is balanced out in your body properly at that point or endorphins kick in, they really don't know for sure what causes it. But, but you get that new surge of energy to continue. You, you get that second wind. Well, in Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul gives us some tremendous helps here, tremendous helps here for getting a second spiritual wind. <clears throat> now, if you are feeling a bit ornery this morning, <laughs> you're going to especially love this first help. It's make the choice to rejoice. 
Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, the Apostle Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. You know, I, I have a sneaking suspicion at, that the Philippians, at the time that Paul writes this letter, were in need of a second spiritual win. I mean, they had, they had been through it for a long time, under attack by false teachers in the church that we talked about uh, last week, uh, under attack by false teachers. Uh, they were being ostracized and persecuted by their fellow citizens. Um, they, they were you know, experiencing conflict in the church. I mean, all that was, was piling up. They needed a spiritual second win. So Paul doubles down rejoice in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. He doubles down on the need to make the choice to rejoice. Now, it has to be a choice, does it not? <laughs> because you're sure, it sure doesn't come naturally when you're in the midst of challenging circumstances. You have to choose to rejoice in spite of those circumstances. We've seen, actually seen the Apostle Paul uh, throughout his entire letter, demonstrate what this means, making the choice to rejoice. Remember, as he's writing this letter, he is, is, is sitting in a prison cell in Rome, and yet he chooses joy. When he says rejoice always, um, here, he, he's not talking about you know, being giddy. He, he's not saying, you know, just put on a happy face. He's talking about a joy that he's been practicing in prison that is an abiding joy as a result of his personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you choose to rejoice only when things return to normal, you may be waiting a long, long time before you are able to experience much joy in your life. Joy is one of those unique virtues of the Christian life where regardless of our circumstances, we can access joy because of the power and presence of the Spirit of Christ within us. Now, the late Dr. Billy Graham was such a great, great man, as you guys know. A great, great man, great ministry, great man, and a great example to us in so many different ways. When he was 80 years old, he was already experiencing a number of health challenges. He had Parkinson's disease and other health issues. Well, he was interviewed on television on Christmas Day. As some of you will remember Larry King. It was a CNN Larry King interview. And, um, and he was asked a lot of questions, but one of the questions that, that uh, King asked him was, so how do you feel about having Parkinson's? And this is what Graham said. I feel great about it. It's been a wonderful experience. I believe the Lord has many lessons to teach me through this disease. <laughs> wow. I mean, that. That is how you rejoice in the Lord always. Amazing. Well, let me encourage you to do something. I mean, do something today, uh, maybe just right before you go to bed this evening, but, and especially if you're feeling a little bit ornery right now. Take about five to, to no more than ten minutes to take a sheet of paper and write down your top reasons today to rejoice. Your top reasons to rejoice. Just give it thought for five, ten minutes, your top reasons to rejoice. And I think what will happen is that you'll surprise yourself, not only with what you come up with, but mostly I think you'll find more cause to rejoice than what you consciously realized prior to that. Well, Paul then writes in verse 5, <clears throat> Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Get a second wind by asking God 
for a gentle spirit, a gentle spirit. Uh, something that's been evident to me, especially as I've prepared for this message, as the uncertainty of all this goes on, is that I, I've become more hardened in my spirit. It's just a, just a fact, more easily on edge. Uh, now, does anybody else struggle with that, or am I just preaching to myself this morning? <laughs> I see that hand. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, you know, language scholars tell us that the word Paul uses here for gentleness is one that's very, very difficult to translate, apparently, into English. I mean, it can mean gentleness, it can mean kind, forbearing, yielding, or my personal favorite, inner calmness, inner calmness. Now, as we all know, it's easy to have a gentle spirit and an inner calmness with some people. But the Apostle Paul says that we are to be that way with all people, with all people. Easy for him to say, right? <laughs> Well, actually, not so easy for him to say, I will imagine. I mean, don't you think maybe some of those prison guards there in Rome were a bit of a challenge to his gentleness? And don't you imagine that his entire circumstances, I mean, not knowing whether, you know, tomorrow he was going to have his head chopped off, that the entire circumstance was a challenge to his gentleness. Well, with all that's happening right now in our current environment, the fact is we encounter people on a much more regular basis than normal who tend to just simply drive you nuts, right? <laughs> just drive you nuts. They're a challenge to your gentle spirit. By the way, just an aside here, I've discovered that one of the advantages of wearing a mask is that you can talk under your breath to people without them even knowing it. <laughs> Don't tell anybody to do that, though. Um, again, we should ask God, ask God many times throughout the day for a more gentle spirit, for more inner calmness. In fact, let me encourage you to do this. Uh, take a, a few minutes sometimes today and just post the word gentleness or inner calm, whatever your selection might be, inner calmness, gentleness, what, which, whichever one you like the best of those translations. Post that word uh, on your bathroom mirror, a little post-it, little card, small card, on your bathroom mirror, or maybe several cases, your places, your, your bathroom mirror in your car, on your dashboard, um, uh, on your computer screen. But just to be there as a simple reminder to ask God for a spirit of gentleness. Well, as an encouragement related to this, Paul adds at the end of verse 5, for the Lord is near. Now, Last week we talked about the fact that Jesus is coming back. We talked about a little bit different context last week. But yet here's a, another reminder. Jesus is coming back. And I think Paul attaches it here because when Jesus comes back, all those things that we were struggling with that were challenges to our gentle spirit are going to be instantly forgotten. All those things that drive us nuts will be instantly forgotten. It will mean absolutely nothing in the light of eternity. Well, next, <clears throat> we can get a second win by doing what, what Scott was referring to earlier, this amazing couple of verses here, to pray about everything. Pray about everything, especially when you feel worry or anxiety starting to, to creep up in your heart and your mind. Paul writes, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, this command and promise are so, so rich, are they not? Let's take a good look at it here. Do not be anxious about anything, Paul writes. One of the reasons that we need a second wind during this pandemic is because of all the stuff that we tend to worry about. By the way, did you know that researchers have tell us that Americans eat more during stressful times like this? Now, did anybody need a scientist to tell them that? <laughs> I sure did. Um, uh, I, I won't ask for a show of hands this morning, but how many of you have discovered or have gained your COVID-19? <laughs> you know, right when you're just finally getting over the freshman 15, you know, along comes the COVID-19, right? There was uh, one guy who was worried about his finances during this time. When he was told about COVID-19, he said, well, that's just great. That's just great. Not only do you lose your rear end, but it gets bigger, too. <laughs> I hope I can hear some chatter and some laughing. There we go. When it comes to the issues of worry and anxiety, you know, the Bible has a very simple answer. Don't. <laughs> just don't. But it does not just leave us hanging there with don't. Uh, you know, a, a, a word that you hear a lot these days in leadership circles of all kinds is the word pivot. Have you heard that being used here and there, the word pivot? Uh, whether you're talking about business or education or churches, and we're all living in uncharted territory during this time. And so that word pivot is used to describe the necessary changes that have to be rapidly made to adapt to new realities. You know, back when this all started, when we first shut down, uh, we, we pretty rapidly pivoted from you know, live life groups to life groups on Zoom, on Zoom. That's just one of many, many examples. Oh, we can, you can use that word pivot here too. Do not be anxious for anything. Pivot to prayer instead. <laughs> That's one of the, the most important adaptations that you can make right now in the way that you live. And it's through prayer, obviously, that you will harness the wind of the Holy Spirit who will empower your spiritual second wind during this time. Pivot to prayer. And Paul writes, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. With thanksgiving. Pray about everything, every situation, and when you do so, pray with a thankful heart. Now, how do you do that exactly with things that you're worried about. You know, thank you, God, for this cancer. Thank you, God, for a world that's going insane. Thank you, God, for the things that are completely out of control. We have no idea what the future holds. You know, I, I really think the kind of thanksgiving that truly will energize your prayer during this time is the kind that's not so much focused on the problem as one that is focused upon the nature and character of God. In other words, thank Him for, for who He is, for being your rock during rocky times. Thank Him for His sovereignty, that nothing takes Him by surprise any time in this world. Thank Him for the confidence of such promises in Scripture in Romans 8.26 that at times when you are so weighted down, you're so burdened by all this stuff to the point that you don't even know how to pray, that he says his Spirit, his Spirit will actually pray for you. Phenomenal. 
pray, Allah, Romans 8, giving thanks, Allah, Romans 8, 28, that, that in the midst of all this craziness and, 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 and stuff going on, that, that he, he is going to somehow bring something good out of it for those who love him. Thank him for loving you, for being with you, for his care. Thank him for being the kind of God who invites you into a personal relationship with him with, which, with whom you can, you can share all these things. He, he invites you to, to talk with him about all of this, to pray and, and not be worried. Thank him for his faithfulness, his faithfulness in the past that, that gives you a confidence of experiencing that same faithfulness both in the present and in the future. Spending time giving thanks. As you do that, you will actually discover that the burden that you're sensing, that you're feeling, will begin to lift even before you're finished praying. And there is a good reason for that, because look at what he does for you as you present your request to him. Last part of verse 6 and then verse 7. Present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I mean, talk about pivots. When you pivot from worry to prayer, God pivots your prayer to his peace. It's incredible, isn't it? Notice God's peace is a supernatural peace. We can't explain it. It transcends all human understanding. You probably had some fellow believers say to you sometime, you know, you know what, yes, I... I, I I should be in the, laying in the middle of the floor in a fetal position right now. But instead, God's just given me a peace. I can't explain it. He's just given me a peace. That's the peace that, that transcends understanding. You know, again, you can't explain it, but Paul does explain how it operates. Notice at the end of verse 7, he says, The peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, the word for guard there is a military term that was used to describe a century of soldiers who were guarding the city gate from the inside. So as one who has received Christ as your Lord and Savior, God's peace guards your hearts and minds like a century from the inside. That's why you're not on the floor in a fetal position in anxiety and despair. His peace that transcends our human ability to understand it. Okay, one more thing to get a second wind during this pandemic. <clears throat> Keep on thinking and doing the right things, the right things. That's amazing, verse 8, Paul speaks first to thinking the right things. What he, and what he does here is essentially provide us with guides for healthy, productive, Christ-honoring thinking. Guides that, that, you know, from a scientific standpoint, probably uh, are established neuron paths in your brain that can renew your mind as, you, as he grants you, gives you that second win. Verse 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, <clears throat> whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent, or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, as you know, it's far too easy during this juncture in the midst of this pandemic uh, to be engaging in what the late wonderful Zig Ziglar used to call stinking thinking. Nobody benefits, yourself or anyone else around you, benefits from stinking thinking. 
So based upon this amazing verse, you can avoid stinking thinking by asking yourself these questions about your thoughts. First of all, is it true? Is it true what I'm thinking? Uh, unfortunately, thinking truth is a rarity these days. But Jesus said, if you will, truth will set you free. It'll set you free from a lot of things. Is it true? Is it noble? Is it noble? The word means honorable, worthy, or reverent. Is what you're thinking right? In other words, is it right in God's eyes? Is what you're thinking pure? Is it clean and holy? Is your, th are you thinking, is your thinking lovely? In other words, is it pleasing and agreeable? Is it admirable? That is, is it positive in construction? Does it build up and, and not tear down? Is it excellent? He's referring to moral excellence here. Is it praiseworthy? Meaning, is it something that God would approve? Great questions, aren't they? We need to think the right things, and then we also need to do the right things. Verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. You know, <clears throat> I think another reason why we are feeling more ornery right now is that we have lost, and maybe I should just speak for myself here, but we've lost our sense of, of, the, of our outward focus. We've lost some of our outward focus. It, it, it's only natural that, that during a pandemic you would, you would have much more self-focus than, than, than typical, most likely. I mean, I mean you're concerned about, uh, am I safe? Am I going to be safe? Am I, is my family safe? How can I keep them safe? You know, is my, my business going to make it okay? I mean, all, all those things that, that, that turn us more inward during a time like this. And so we begin to lose our sense of the mission to which God has called us to make a difference for Christ um, beyond ourselves, for, for a cause that's greater than just ourselves. Uh, in fact, uh, one of the things I've, I've been thinking about just recently, probably because we have so many teachers in our family, but I'm currently wondering, is there not something that we can do to reach out to minister to teachers you know, during this time where there is so much concern about, about reopening the schools? Is there something that we can do as we just reach out? The world out there is in just a great, as great a need as it was before this pandemic came along. But sometimes we just don't quite know for sure what to do. I mean, it is a fluid situation. We don't know what to do from day to day sometimes. It's a fluid situation, fluid circumstances. In fact, in in staff meeting this past week, we were kind of joking about the old song, you know, one day at a time, sweet Jesus. You know, maybe not all the lyrics apply, but certainly the chorus does. You know, that's the way it is. It's more relevant than ever before. One day at a time. You, know, you do today what you know to be the right thing, and you plan to do tomorrow what you know to be the right thing, and it's hard to do much planning beyond that. But as we do so, we need to be careful to make sure that we're not doing navel-gazing. You know what I mean? We're not navel-gazers, but that we continue to work hard to keep an outward look, an outward focus. And as we do, we, we have the last part of verse 9 as an absolutely wonderful promise to hang on to. Paul says, And the God of peace will be with 
you. One more time. And the God of peace will be with you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, um, Lord, once again, we we thank you for your word to us. And um, uh, so... (laughs) A word that was relevant to the Philippians 2,000 years ago is just as relevant to us today. We thank you for the supernatural way in which you work in and through your word in our lives. Father, so it's my prayer that you would truly bless us with a second spiritual wind as we walk through this pandemic time together. Father, I pray that that you would work in in each and every one of our hearts uh, by the power and empowering us with your spirit uh, to see that second wind take place, that we might be faithful to be uh, pursuers of all that you've called us to be in Jesus Christ. We pray this and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.